0: Live to tape. Welcome to Millennials Season Three, Episode 41. I'm Andrew.
1: I'm Elisa. I'm Laura.
0: And I'm Matt. Well, it's Monday night, it's Mueller Monday. As us in D.C. call it, and it's been quite a day already. I saw somebody tweet, hey, there's some good news. At least it's Friday. (laughs) (laughs) What? Because Monday has already been so fucking long that (laughs) it feels like it's end of the week.
1: Oh, that took me a minute.
0: (laughs) Yeah, because it it feels like Friday, doesn't it? Brain's already fried. Anyway, we're going to talk about the indictments. Uh somebody named Hugabugaloo whoops whoops a the Dallopolis. He sounds like a dinosaur. Didn't know this guy. I think I studied him in third grade during some dinosaur lessons, but before we get to that, we'll shoot the shit for a little bit. Let's start with some Netflix talk. Did we all watch Stranger Things?
1: I'm not done with it yet. Please
2: don't um, spoil me. I was actually in the middle of watching the penultimate episode.
1: I haven't even started the second season yet, so I don't want to hear shit.
2: I finished.
1: (laughs) Usually it takes you longer than that, Andrew.
0: It does, I know. I was cuddled up with a man all weekend, and we were binging it and chilling.
1: That explains why it Um, went so quick.
0: That's that's gay. Yeah, Yeah, Um. exactly. (laughs) I think it was really, really good. I think it was better than season one.
3: What I've seen of it so far has been phenomenal. Um and actually I was supposed to finish it last night, but the friends that we were getting together with to watch it fucked up and like didn't watch any of it before they got there so we couldn't continue and what? we were all re- and we were all really mad.
2: <laughs> stupid. You should have yeah. just watched the last episode. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I just feel like all the characters have more to do this season and they're all they're all doing interesting things and, and you doing it's, some stranger things yeah very strange things too and um it, it's been moving very quickly I haven't felt like there have been any slow parts there have been some really epic scenes and great cliffhangers mm-hmm. and great cliffhanger cutscenes like and the music mm-hmm. and my god uh oh, Steve he's so hot still <laughs> and I, I love watching him be hot and he's got a good new bromance kind of later in the season, which I love. So mm. good
3: stuff. It's bullshit, Andrew. It's what is? It's all bullshit. All of it.
0: Mm-hmm. Not so good, but definitely bullshit is what's going on in House <laughs> of Cards land. Um, there was news on Sunday, Sunday night that Kevin Spacey had made sexual advances towards uh, Anthony Rep from rent and currently starring in star Trek discovery on CBS all access. Uh, the thing is this happens quite a while ago when Kevin Spacey was 26 and Anthony Rapp was 14. So, uh, some very, very disturbing allegations here. Anthony Rapp said he, um, came out with it now in light of what was going on with Harvey Weinstein uh kevin spacey issued a statement but kind of fucked up didn't he yeah he did fuck up. i've
3: got it pulled up here right now um he says i have a lot of respect and admiration for anthony Rapp as an actor i'm beyond horrified to hear his story i honestly do not remember the encounter it would have been over 30 years ago But if I did behave then, as he describes, I owe him the sincerest apology for what would have been deeply inappropriate drunken behavior, and I am sorry for the feelings he describes having carried with him all these years. This story has encouraged me to address other things about my life. I know there are stories out there about me and that some have been fueled by the fact that I've been so protective of my privacy. As those closest to me know, in my life, I have had relationships with both men and women. I have loved and had romantic encounters with men throughout my life, and I choose now to live as a gay man. I want to deal with this honestly and openly, and that starts with examining my own
1: behavior. What? So this is what gets me is the pivot, right? So in that statement, he ends the first paragraph by saying, I'm sorry for the feelings he describes have been carried with him all these years this story has encouraged me to address other things about my life. Like what? Okay. Like other things like what you've gotten into cooking lately. Like you took up golf as a hobby. Like how is like, none of this seems relevant. Do you know what I'm saying? His being gay, his being gay is not any more relevant to the first part of that statement than him taking up golf or painting or I don't know anything else. Like, I don't see how this how these two things tie together other than of course the obvious, which is that he's just trying to distract everybody from the real story here, which is the um, sexual impropriety uh, uh, allegations or, or he's trying to suggest that because he was closeted 30 years ago, that he was behaving inappropriately. um, I don't know like you know for
0: being suppressed he was was
1: so suppressed 30 years ago that it only came out when he was drunk and therefore manifested in very unhealthy and inappropriate ways those are the only two explanations i can imagine as to why he would even include this in his statement but either one reflects very poorly on him it's sickening to
3: suggest that being gay is in any way linked to being a pedophile is fucking grotesque
2: beside the pivoting. That's very reminiscent of Kellyanne Conway status. The, the other things that he said was like, he blamed alcohol for that alleged, um, sexual advance allegation. And he is also getting a lot of, um, shit from the LGBTQ community because of the way that he worded um that he chose to now live as a gay man meaning like he's saying that now it's a choice that i'm doing i i sort of understand why people read it that way i do think though what he meant was to live publicly as a gay man
1: yeah i do too but, i don't care about that that is the least of my concerns here
0: i was pretty surprised just because it's two big name actors like this is uh mm-hmm. and this came out of nowhere it's not like it's not like the X Men guy, Brian Singer, or like the rumors are just running rampant all the time, or it's not Woody Allen or any of these others. It's just
2: suddenly, oh, here's a new creep. Surprise. Well, The thing that's different between Brian Singer's allegations and uh, and Kevin Spacey is that Brian Singer has always denied the allegations and they've always been settled out of court. Like, he's never, he's never yeah. admitted to having. Um, underage sex which he has and to
1: be clear to be clear because i'm not (laughs) i'm I'm not sure that we that we that we were clear on this point um the actor accusing kevin space kevin spacey of this did not accuse him of rape there was no there was no sex um or at all involved in the allegation it was that kevin spacey came on to him that he hit on him he picked him up as though I think he described it as like a bride being carried across the altar and threw him on the bed and laid down on top of him. Then the actor, um, the, the, the victim in this case rolled out from underneath of him and ran to the bathroom to get away and then left the house shortly after. So that not that that, I mean, that's pretty fucking bad. I'm not saying that's not bad, but just to be clear, I think there's a, there's a slight difference between these sorts of things. And it's important to point it out. But I will also say that Kevin Spacey's defense here seems to be that he was drunk, which is A, not a defense, and B, um, he wasn't drunk when he invited a 14-year-old to his house. Now, him him picking the 14-year-old up and throwing him on the bed and trying to have sex with him, maybe he was drunk then, but when he sent out the invitation – He did so like a day or two in advance of the party and was stone cold sober and knew that the actor was 14 years old. So I don't understand how that's even even if you think that being drunk is a defense, which it's not. He wasn't really drunk, was he? Like this seems kind of premeditated to me.
0: And also he remembers that he was drunk, but he doesn't remember this taking place.
1: Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, who, what so, kind of mid-20s person invites a 14-year-old to
1: a bender at their house? Yeah,
0: what that, the that is What the is weird. wrong I, with you? It, it seems like there was some intent there. And right, that's s- what I'm saying. Yeah, and, and Anthony Rapp, I think he, he said for him, it wasn't abnormal to go over to a party where there were older people because he was a part of the Broadway community. And, and hanging out with adults was um, not not irregular for him. So anyway, um, related to this, since House of Cards and Netflix have been under the spotlight in light of this, obviously House of Cards is the biggest thing going for Kevin Spacey right now. Um, Netflix said that they are deeply troubled over the news. And it also came to light that House of Cards season six will be the last season. But apparently this was decided several months ago. This isn't Netflix saying that. That's sources close to Netflix um and it's just coming to light now i think i don't i i don't think netflix is like this is terrible we're canceling the show i think they had decided a few months ago but they just hadn't announced it yet they only started production on season six a couple weeks ago so so that's what's happening there i think the other big question now is will other people come forward about kevin spacey was this a trend is he a harvey weinstein woody allen Brian Singer type, or was this one time and never again? We'll see. No, it's not a one time, but but
2: I I do not think that we can compare Kevin Spacey with Harvey Weinstein. Harvey Weinstein... We'll turn
0: into that with a bunch of people coming forward. We don't know if there's a pattern or not. Mm, I don't know.
3: I wanted to ask you guys a question because this is something that I feel like I see a lot on the internet when these types of cases come up. I'm already seeing a number of people announcing that they're going to be boycotting house of cards season six. They're not going to watch it. And I wanted to get like your general feelings on that approach.
0: I think in the moment they say that, but as time passes, they might change their mind. I think they will only not watch house of cards if they've actually become bored with it. Cause it, it has been seeming like it needs to come to an end. Mm-hmm. Um, I will watch it because it is the final season and I want to know how it ends. This was first, this was Netflix's first original series. It's a big deal. Yeah. So I'm not boycotting it now. Anyone else?
3: I'm not. Um, and I wanted to share a little bit about why, because I feel like I've seen a lot of demonizing of people who won't boycott house of cards and, and people who won't boycott media that might involve somebody who has done something similar to what Kevin Spacey has done. Um, The reason is that Kevin Spacey already has his money. You not watching House of Cards Season 6 does not do anything to him. But by watching House of Cards Season 6, you're supporting the thousands of other people that poured their livelihoods into making this show a possibility. You're giving support to Netflix for creating original it compelling television. So I think that I, I, while I totally respect people who say, hey, I don't want to watch this. Um, I think it's, I think it is very short-sighted and, and kind of like, uh, it's a very black and white perspective to look at it and say, people who are boycotting House of Cards are good. People who are not boycotting House of Cards don't, believe that rape culture is real, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think people just need to be cautious about walking that line and not like accusing people of being pro-rape because of the TV shows they watch.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you're right. I think I certainly understand why people might boycott because they were disgusted. Totally. Yeah. But you raise a fair point too. There are a lot of people who work on these shows and that's the same case can be made about torrenting tv shows and movies as well it's not about the actors who already have all their money it's it's about the the crew members Mm -hmm. who make money off of this stuff who are employed thanks to good sales and all that Mm -hmm. all right well we'll keep you updated if any more developments come up there Speaking of developments, healthcare continues to <laughs> develop.
3: Yes. So last week we promised that we were going to do a quick healthcare rundown in this week's episode because open enrollment is uh, upon us. It's running this Woo-hoo. year from November first to October, or November first to December fifteenth. Excuse me. Um, and the reason we wanted to bring this up is because open enrollment has been significantly shortened this year. um, So there's less time to sign up for 2018. Um, And additionally, advertisements for uh, the marketplace have been cut by like 90%. So we wanna make sure that we're getting the news out there in any way that we can um, so that people who are eligible and need insurance can get signed up. So we just wanna give a really quick overview of this. Um, A lot of people have asked like, what is the marketplace and what are exchanges? Um, they are the same thing. So the marketplace is available in every state and it will allow you to sign up for a health insurance plan. And something really important to know is that during enrollment, you'll also find out if you're eligible for Medicaid and CHIP. In some states, you may or may not be eligible for these things depending on if your state took the expanded funding for Medicaid. Um. But we also need to talk about who's eligible to sign up. There's a lot of misinformation about who can sign up through the marketplace. Anyone who is a U.S. citizen and resides within the United States and who is not currently incarcerated may apply through the marketplace, with the exception that if you're already on Medicare, then you won't be eligible to apply because you already have insurance. So fuck off. Um. Also, if your employer provides insurance that meets certain standards, you can still purchase a plan through the marketplace, but I don't know why you'd want to do that because you won't receive any subsidies for it and you'll pay full price for that plan. So if your employer provides insurance, you should probably just sign up and use that. So since there are subsidies, I know there's been a lot of confusion about this because people look at the plans and they see the, the initial like outright cost for a plan, and they're like, holy shit, this is hundreds of dollars a month. I thought this was supposed to be affordable. Well, it varies from state to state, but it also depends on your income. So if your income is below a certain level, you may qualify for a tax credit that lowers your monthly insurance bill. This is what I experienced. I live in Georgia. I was on the marketplace for six months while I was unemployed. And I didn't qualify for Medicaid because my state didn't accept the Medicaid expansion. But because I was unemployed, I qualified for a credit. Um, So like a subsidy that brought it down somewhat, but still not quite as much (laughs) as I would have liked. Um, That said, if you live in a state that accepted Medicaid expansion, you may be covered. Um, I know of a couple of people who live in blue States that tends to primarily be where this happens, Um, where when they put in their income levels, they found out that they were completely covered under Medicaid and they didn't even end up needing to purchase a private insurance plan. So that may be an option for you. Um, And even if you don't qualify for Medicaid, if you have kids, you and your children may still qualify for CHIP, um, which is the children's health insurance program. So, I think the big question that a lot of people has or have is that honor like, of the 20- how am I going to know what the best plan is for me? Because there's so much information out there, and there are a number of different insurers that provide different plans. So the best way to figure that out is to go to healthcare.gov and create an account. Um, you'll fill out an application where you disclose your income and what level of healthcare access you have currently and what level you anticipate having in 2018. Um, From there, you're going to be shown a list of different insurers and the plans that they offer. The plans are usually bronze, silver, and gold, with the gold being the most expensive, obviously, um, and cover different things. In my experience, they had a really good uh, breakdown of what each plan did and did not cover. So it's pretty easy. I know when I signed up for this, I was able to create an account, fill out the application, and select a plan and pay for the first month of it in the space of about 30 minutes. Hmm. So I found, I personally found the process pretty straightforward. Um, But I know that all four of us have gone through the marketplace at some point and that some of us are still on Obamacare. So I wanted to ask like, what were our biggest takeaways about it? Like any pros and cons, things that you really like and things that you really didn't like about it? Um.
0: You know, I can't really remember my enrollment process. I think it was pretty simple. I wasn't one of those people who hopped on once once healthcare.gov opened up and there were all those problems Mm -hmm. and even Obama admitted there was a rollout. Um, Mm -hmm. Hopefully, they've made a lot of improvements since then. I'm going through the form right now. I can preview the plan so I can see, I think, at the end of this, um, if I'm going to, like, what my prices will look like. I... Went for the cheapest plan last year, and I'll probably do something similar again. There's a lot of talk of premiums going up, so uh, it seems highly likely that I'll probably stick with the cheapest plan. That said, it worked out really well for me. Um, say the, uh, I was seeing
2: uh, one of the pr- one of the pros for like signing into your own health care through like Obamacare websites is that, um. I knew a lot more about my health insurance mm-hmm. and like what I was covered and what I wasn't covered than when I was under my work plan under my employer. Yeah. Learned a lot about like what coverage I needed as opposed to uh, like what the general inf- uh, insurance I got from my employer. Like I got to pick and choose like which was right for me And what would benefit me the most with with whatever plan?
0: Yeah. So I went through this form and it looks like my plan. And now remember also, I'm in a different state now. So I don't know how that factors in. I know that California wasn't going to continue having my same plan. So I was going to have to get a new one anyway. Um, But it looks like I'm going to be paying $50 more. And I don't think this includes dental. But dental was pretty cheap for me last time. Um Unless I decide to just go ten years without a dentist again, <laughs> which is a possibility mm-hmm. um so so yeah, it looks like fifty extra dollars a year that's not as bad as I was thinking it was going to be, so at least there's that,
3: yeah, and you know, I think it's totally fair to point out that the cost of a lot of these insurance plans ended up being higher than what people expected. I think we can call a spade a spade and say that uh, Americans ended up being a lot sicker than, than, uh, we thought they were. So when Obamacare rolled out, a lot of really fucking sick people ended up going out and getting insurance for the first time, which is great, but it also has the pitfall of causing the plans to be a little bit more expensive. That said, when I was unemployed, I feel like I was paying too much for my insurance. I will say that hands down. I don't think that as an unemployed person, I should have had to pay anything for my insurance. I would have still yeah. been okay with paying something, but they were charging me two twenty dollars a month. That's a lot when you don't have a job. Yeah. But the thing that I always want to drive home with this is at least I had access. Mm-hmm. At least I was able to get something. Because before Obamacare, I would have been screwed. I wouldn't have been able yeah. to get shit. And then if I had gotten really, well, I did actually get really sick. I got a really bad round of bronchitis that damn near turned into to pneumonia. My only option then would have been to go to an emergency room and run up easily $10,000 in debt just to get bronchitis treated. Mm-hmm. So yeah, $220 a month as an unemployed person felt like a lot of money, but it was a hell of a lot cheaper than the alternative. So I would encourage anybody, if you are looking at 2018 and you know that you're not going to have insurance, please at least consider this. It's not as cheap as we would like for it to be. And the program certainly has its cons. There's no denying that. But having this is better than having nothing.
4: Mm -hmm. Yeah,
0: Agreed. I'm looking at the dental plans. They look pretty good. So I think I will get that as well good news for anyone who
2: kisses me <laughs> for the rest of the time <laughs> I mean, uh, but friend, thank you gotta worry somebody, about
3: somebody kissed you before you got your teeth fixed so
0: yeah and then I became single so <laughs> there you go thank you Laura for that rundown that was very in in enlightful enlightening oh, and lightful yeah
1: enlightful. That was yeah delighted. very <laughs> enlightful Laura it's
3: like a combination <laughs> of enlightening and delightful
0: i know insightful you know what that was terrible fuck you it was very
2: unenlightful it was Mm, enlightless.
1: too far i I have
2: to do the whole thing over again though because now i'm i'm losing my insurance yeah yeah i'm sorry fucking blue anthem is gone in los angeles i know yep i oh i know you know yeah i got the letter
0: Just don't leave the house. You won't get sick of that if you stay inside. Yeah, it's
2: fine. It's fine.
0: Okay, so we recently started promoting our voicemail line again, and we received some calls. All right, we're going to start with some jokes. Let's lighten the mood with some jokes from one of our listeners.
4: Hi, Millennial. I have a joke for you. Two jokes, actually, that probably only Andrew will appreciate because the rest of you are traitors. Where did Dumbledore keep his army? In his sleevey. <laughs> All right, second joke. Why did Barty Crouch Jr. stop drinking Polyjuice Potion? Because it was making him Moody.
0: Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> uh,
4: oh boy.
0: Uh, uh, wow. Okay, voicemail's off to a good start.
4: <laughs> that
3: reception has nothing to do with us being traitors. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Here's our next voicemail.
4: Hey, guys. Really enjoyed the show this week. I just wanted to say that (laughs) I was guilty of saying something that I definitely don't believe now. Um, And it's on Facebook and reminds me every year of something horrible that I said. Um, And it was when I used to manage a restaurant. We had a customer come in with her child and... They were significantly old enough to drink out of their own glass and yet she was still breastfeeding him in the restaurant. And I posted on Facebook about how I just felt that it was inappropriate to be breastfeeding your fully grown speaking over two years old child, uh, in public. And then I had two children of my own. And while I did not breastfeed them past the age of one, um, It's, you know, when your kid is hungry and you are breastfeeding, you know, it is your right to do it in public wherever you want, even in a restaurant, no matter how inappropriate other people feel that it is, because in the end of the day, human milk is supposed to be best for kids up until a certain age. So I really regretted my Facebook post after somebody called me out on it. And, you know, my opinion has changed a little bit, Um, but I definitely understand how that can happen. Anyways, love the show. Talk to you guys later. Bye.
0: Good feedback.
4: Yeah. (laughs) Hey, just be happy that your
3: embarrassing old belief was not aired on a podcast to thousands of people.
0: It just was, though. Well, that's yeah. true.
3: But <laughs> shit, maybe this was not a good idea.
0: <laughs> no, I see I see your point. We used to say these things Ugh. back when we
3: believed them, right? Is yeah, that point? exactly. People yeah. got to hear that shit in real time. Mm-hmm, and yeah. I'm just horrified thinking what they must have thought of us at the time. I'm quite frankly amazed that we still have listeners.
2: Yeah. You know, Mike. was we... breastfed. <laughs> <laughs> What do we say these
0: days that we're going to regret in the future?
2: Um, Stuff about I don't know. butt plugs for sure. You know, one of, one of my fears about this is that I, I fear that we, the four of us and everyone of our generation, are going to be seen as the uh, closed-minded conservatives coming up when we get old. Because, because people are gonna be so liberal in another years? A lot of the years. quote unquote like small minded people that we call out were probably liberal back in their younger twenties. True.
0: I'm gonna regret saying Apple made good products. The iPhone ten is totally worth <laughs> the $1,150 I paid for it.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Probably <laughs> sooner than you think. nintendo switch is nintendo's greatest system ever yeah matt that's a good point
3: hashtag sorry not sorry Um, Oh, what the nintendo
2: switch is fucking awesome
3: oh i have a really recent thing that i said on this podcast that i regret all the time go ahead donald trump will never be president (laughs) hillary clinton is gonna mop the floor with him yeah Uh,
0: by the way when you were giving us all this info on healthcare, I was thinking, like, it's so weird to hear this under Trump's mm-hmm. presidency. Like, because you know he wants all this to fail. Yeah. It's so sad.
3: I know. Uh, That's why I didn't even want to talk about him when I talked about it. I'm just like, I just want to give people yeah. the relevant information.
0: Yeah. By the way, before we get to news, we got one more voicemail from Cameron. But Cameron, um, the voicemail was really long and because it cut out halfway through because it was so long Google didn't want it. <laughs> uh, call in with your spooky story next episode, but keep it under two minutes. And that that's a general uh, guideline for everybody. If you're calling in with a voicemail, um, it is a Patreon benefit. Please do keep them less than two minutes, ideally around one minute long. Thank you. Yeah. So let's move on to the big Mueller news.
3: Yes. So today is coming to be known as the infamous day as Manafort Monday. Uh, However, there were a couple of other bombshells that hit today that we weren't expecting. So rewinding a little bit, uh, we heard over the weekend that the FBI had filed charges and that at least one person... (laughs) was going to be in custody as of Monday. We all guessed correctly that Paul Manafort was one of those people, but it also turned out that Rick Gates, who was a former campaign official, and that George Papadopoulos, was, who was a former <laughs> advisor, were part of this too. Now Manafort and Gates have both uh, pled or not guilty to 12 counts. These counts include conspiracy against the United States, money laundering and making false statements but the big drop for the day is that papadopoulos pled guilty to lying to the fbi about his contact with kremlin connected russians this is a really big fucking deal because i don't think anybody expected any of these guys who were being implicated in this today to plead guilty And it turns out that on top of pleading guilty, Papadopoulos had pled guilty like three weeks ago. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. this has got, I feel like just watching coverage of this, observing Trump doing his thing, watching Sarah Huckabee Sanders try to control this in the press room, the White House is in a little bit of a tailspin. As they try to yeah. figure out how to navigate uh, these waters.
1: I think the country is a little bit <laughs> in here, Laura. I'll be honest. Uh, I want to take a moment. We have to just take a moment, I think, to appreciate the history that we're witnessing. This, mm-hmm. is, this is in seriousness on the level of, if, if not worse, frankly, than, than Watergate. We don't know the full extent of it or who was involved and whatever. And I am going to wait for Mueller to finish his investigation to draw sweeping conclusions. But I think it's safe to say that it's at the very least on par with Watergate. If it turns out that collusion went to the top, it will be far worse than it's like it's like Watergate 5.0. And and we still hear about that. I mean, mm-hmm. anytime there's a scandal now, it's something mm-hmm. gate. You know, like the Watergate sort of set the bar for for scandals. And I think that what we're witnessing now is going to be is going to become that for our generation. I don't I think it's important not to lose sight of of that. It's easy now, I think, with all, all the scandals that happen every single day, um, all of, all of the crazy fucking people that President Trump has appointed um and all the executive orders and just like the craziness on Twitter, it's easy for us to be like, Oh my God, this is crazy. <laughs> and like, get on with our lives. This is real shit. This is, this is criminal activity. And don't be fooled. Paul Manafort was the chairman of his campaign. There's going to be a lot of people who try and say, well, he's not with the white house. He never worked in the white house and downplay his role. But that's, that's, you know, that's, that's for that's for dummies you have to -hmm. you have to have a certain amount of like willful ignorance if 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 you buy into that so i just think i don't know my my head was spinning all day today if for no other reason than realizing that generations will be reading about this Mm -hmm. in history books and i'm here for it i'm watching it live on cnn (laughs) Well, and the thing that's so
3: funny about it, Elisa, I love that you brought that up. They, the White House is really trying to downplay the roles that Manafort and uh, Papadopoulos in particular played in the campaign. Um, because Because Sarah Huckabee Sanders is in the press conference today being like, oh, yeah, Papadopoulos was just like a low level volunteer. Like he didn't he didn't do anything. He was just like he went to one meeting. And it's like, yeah, you know what fucking meeting that was? It
1: was a Putin. You dumb bitch. I don't. Here's 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 the thing too. I actually saw that Laura. I saw I saw during the press conference that she gave. Someone said, "Well, Sarah, but there's actually like photographic evidence of the president sitting down with Papadopoulos and a and and other people." And she interrupts – she interrupted the reporter at that point and said, he's the president. There's photos of him with millions of people. And <laughs> I swear to God, at that point, at that point, I just – I was like, that's it. We've, we've done it. We've jumped the shark. As a nation, we have jumped the shark. This is officially a banana republic. And, and <laughs> there's, there's really nowhere else to go. And I, I just couldn't believe what the fuck I was hearing. Well, as a president, he's had pictures with many people. Like, okay, yeah. Well, his cameo on fucking Sesame Street doesn't count. Okay, this is like <laughs> an actual staffer who had a title. And by the way, the photographs that President Trump was seen with him in, they weren't out in, in the public. It was his. It was his like advisors. It was. It was Papadopoulos yeah, private meeting. Exactly. It was Papadopoulos with, with, Je- with Jeff Sessions and with other members of his cabinet, which should tell you the kind of influence and the rank that Papadopoulos had in the Trump camp. If he's sitting next to Jeff Sessions, he's not some random dude off the street, you know? He's not a volunteer. And it's it makes me wonder who is buying this? Who is who is buying that argument that this guy wasn't important and that he wasn't part of the campaign I this I don't know who's buying that
0: People a new Gallup poll came out this week uh Trump's approval rating is now down to 33%. 33% of people are still in denial that nothing actually happened. They're drinking the Fox News cool Fox News Kool-Aid that is poured directly into their assholes every day when they're watching the TV. I know people who are, who are guilty with this, and it just gets more and more pathetic as they try to stand up to um, agree with what Trump's saying. And by the way, we haven't even gotten to Flynn yet. Yeah. Mueller has, has yet to take down Flynn, and that one's going to be even worse because Flynn was a part of the administration after Trump yep. took office. And so, can't wait to see how Sarah Huckabee Sanders spins that one. And and God knows what's going to happen to Kushner. His ass ass could very well be on the line too. And can you imagine?
3: Oh, Don Junior too.
0: Yeah. Oh, oh, Mr. Trump doesn't really know Kushner and uh, Trump Junior. They're just you know they're <laughs> some super fans that are around him a lot.
3: <laughs> the other thing that I wanted to bring up, and this is, it's entirely possible that it is just coincidence. But I think it's an important tidbit that we need to keep in mind. The FBI interviewed Papadopoulos when he when when he lied to them, by the way, the day that they interviewed him was the same day that Trump asked Comey to dinner and then asked for a loyalty pledge. Coincidence? It very well could be. But oh yeah,
2: it's yeah, uh, yeah.
3: It's I mean, it, just as much of a coincidence as you know Manafort and Rick Gates working for a pro-Russian group in the Ukraine, and then later being like, "Oh, I mean, we're not really that close with Russia." I'm sorry,
1: <laughs> I have I have to ask. This is only some somewhat relevant. Who put the link in the Google Doc? Timeline of key events from the failing New York Times. Oh, that was me. <laughs> I've been silently dying over here. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. yeah we, we
3: will provide the link to that timeline in our show notes because we don't have enough time to go through all of it here. And quite frankly, this story is moving fast. It's we're finding out new things all the time and we don't really want to date ourselves. So We'll include that, and y'all can read it and draw your own conclusions. Uh, did Trump know that Papadopoulos was lying to the FBI that day? You decide. Sure.
1: <laughs> I also think. I mean, I just. Oh God, I don't. It shouldn't. It. It should. It's worth noting here, okay, that any evidence of collusion that may or may not be uncovered throughout throughout this investigation is almost definitely going to be linked to people like George Papadopoulos people who we haven't heard of because that's the game right like if you are trying to if you're trying to collude or organize with a foreign government or with anyone for that matter you don't send your general in to do it that's too obvious you know you don't you don't send someone who's high ranking to to carry that out you send someone who's expendable you send somebody who has plausible deniability you send someone who's not in the public eye and who no one will have heard of precisely so that you can make the argument oh well they were unimportant they were just a volunteer um, and-, and and so and so i don't I think that we need to set expectations here that in my opinion, any if, if we uncover or if a Mueller uncovers, you know collusion, I think it will be people like George Papadopoulos. It's going to be some of the lower ranking people in the campaign um, that aren't necessarily in the public eye. If we're looking at the top and we're wondering, okay, what is really going to ultimately take down the administration? In my opinion, it's more likely to be obstruction of justice than, direct collusion or conspiracy against the united states and by the way the trump
0: administration knew that they had to send somebody small literally in this statement of offense against george papadopoulos it says we needed somebody to this is this was via an email between papadopoulos and uh manafort We need someone to communicate that Donald Trump is not doing these trips. It should be someone low-level in the campaign so as to not send any signal.
3: There you go. Exactly. Yeah. I would just like to highlight the fact that it's so impressive to me that somebody who was just a low-level volunteer and didn't really matter was in direct contact with the campaign chair.
0: Yeah, that's pretty incredible. You would think Paul Manafort getting plenty of emails and... Only has time for important people, you would think. It
3: just goes to show that anything is possible in America. Anything. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh, Okay, so let's move on to a a little more news. This still concerns the election. Twitter and Facebook are surely, uh, slowly but surely coming clean about how much time and effort and money Russia spent on their social networks to spread fake news. Twitter said in a blog post on Tuesday, it would start clearly labeling political electioneering ads, which the FEC defines as an ad used to promote a specific candidate for elected office or affiliated party. So they're going to be more transparent. And Facebook is as well. They announced on Friday that they will verify political ad buyers in federal elections and require them to reveal correct names and locations. And the site will also create new graphics where users can click on the ads and find out more about who's behind them. That's key. So now when Russia goes and tries to uh, advertise in our news feeds, well, first of all, it probably won't happen because they're going to try to avoid that, But, but Facebook will also show you if it's Russia or if it's somebody else. Who is putting this in front of you? And by the way, I have a special edition of the number today. This bombshell just broke before we started recording. Guess how many people Facebook estimates were served content from Russia-linked pages. I don't mean I don't mean how many people Russia paid for. I mean how many people organically saw this content through people sharing it in their news feeds in America.
3: Ooh. I'm going to guess 12% of the voting population in Michigan and Wisconsin. <laughs>
2: 150 <laughs> well, million.
1: I was going to guess 10 million.
0: Facebook is informing lawmakers this week that roughly 126 million Americans may have been exposed to content generated on its platform by the Russian government-linked troll forum known as the Internet Research Agency between June 2015 and August 2017. Unbelievable. And by the way, this was free. This was way more than they got away with um, paying to appear on the news feed. This was, this was stuff people said, oh yeah, I agree about that. I agree. Right. I agree with this article. Exactly. And shared it.
1: Which is, which is why, which is why this, this news that, that Twitter and, and Facebook are going to start being more transparent comes as welcome news. Certainly. And I think that it's really the only responsible path forward for them. Um, and, and it should be, it should be noted that one of the things Twitter's going to do, for example, is they're going to put like little purple boxes Around an ad that's that's political in nature that's been bought by somebody uh, around that advertisement, and it will say at the bottom, "This was sponsored by X, Y, or Z." So you can actually see that. I think that's really cool, and I think that's responsible. But I I do worry that that's not really going to change anything. If I'm being honest, because I think that a lot of a lot of the fake news, like actual fake news. Bullshit propaganda from Russia um, is perpetuated organically. And it's just done yeah. because people like an echo chamber and they don't like doing work. And those two things combined means that they're seeing something, uh, viscerally reacting to it, thinking, Oh, well, that sounds good. Yeah, that's a good fucking point, right there. And then they're not taking right. them time to fact check it. And then they hit share. And then they hit like and it's that little click that is giving that that's that's giving it traction. And so I wor- you know, I, I'm glad for this, but I just am very pessimistic about it impacting anything in a positive way.
3: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think the American public is largely stupid, uneducated, and uninformed. So, I'm not really sure that this it's is going to help.
0: It might not. However, Facebook over the past 6 months or so have announced other changes to the news feed, including combating fake news. One example is with news articles now, there are going to be three articles below that news article showing you other sources for that same topic. So you can try to um, see who who all is reporting this. And these are tools to help you decide because ultimately it's going to come down to people not being stupid. And I don't think any of us have much faith that People are going to wisen up on Facebook because we all see a lot of stupid shit there. But they got some time to uh, keep working this out.
2: People are incredibly gullible when it appeals to their interests. I don't think they question whether it's right or wrong as long as it confirms what they feel or believe.
0: Yeah. Fake news does well on Facebook. I said, I think I've said before on this show that some of our April Fool's Day articles on Hypable do s- incredibly well because we write what people want to hear and then they share it thinking it's real.
1: Right. That's that's, that's scary. <laughs> that's exactly. That's so scary.
0: It is. It is. Well, I mean, not for me because Hypable makes a lot of money off of it on April Fool's Day. But <laughs> in politics, it's scary. All
1: right. Our Hidden from the Headline story this week has to do with And before I go on, I want someone to tell me how the fuck you pronounce this. Because I've tried it four or five different times. And every time we get emails saying, Elise is not pronouncing it right. Elise is not pronouncing it right. I've tried it every way you can pronounce it. It's Nestle. Um, Okay. Nestle.
0: (laughs) People email in about that.
1: Every time. Because this is, I have, you know, a grudge against I I, I grudge against these guys, so I think um, they've come up a a few times, and I've tried it a different way depending on who emails. I never get it right. Nestle, (laughs) that's you know what? Laura's the uh, linguist here. I'm going to trust what she says. We're we're (laughs) fucking rolling with it. I don't want to hear from anybody. (laughs) She's right. She's the authority. Nestle.
2: Say it again. Very dangerous. No, 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 no. It's it's Nestle.
1: I said that.
2: God damn (laughs) it. Nestle is back
1: at it again. They're back at it again, this time in Canada. I think the last time that we reported on Nestle, they were fucking up California for everybody. Now they're fucking up Canada. Uh, Vice News reports that the Switzerland-based bottled water conglomerate is draining two Canadian towns of pretty much all of its spring water, and they're doing so on expired permits. Now, the two towns in question are Aaron and Aberfoyle, both of them are apparently not too, too far from Toronto. Um, Nestle is currently extracting about 5 million liters of water per day per town. And again, they're they, they are doing this all on expired permits. Now, Nestle has said that they are allowed to continue to do this on expired permits, so long as the government does not... Does not issue them a cease and desist letter, and that they have submitted an application to renew the permits that it just hasn't been approved yet, and so that they will continue until they receive a cease and or a cease and desist rather. So even once it was pointed out to them, hey, like this isn't cool, they were like, well, we're not going to change until like the police show up. Basically, um, it's worth noting that Ontario has been going through some. Um, of its own water crisis issues. So their natural spring water reservoirs have decreased by something by upwards rather of 40% just in the past five years. They that's all that's owed almost entirely to bottled water companies going in and taking all the water. It's also worth noting that they're doing this for dirt fucking cheap. Nestle is making tens of millions of dollars per city per day by taking their water and the city gets nothing for it. In fact, the city and municipal governments are, are actually paying to, to monitor Nestle and to regulate the process of extracting water. And so in some way you could argue that the, the citizens of these cities and the citizens of Ontario are subsidizing Nestle stealing from them because the government has to watch them to do it. And yet the government gets no fucking money from them. From Nestle. So this is a lose, lose, lose for everybody except for, you know, the bottled water conglomerates out there. And I wanted to, number one, if you live in or anywhere near the town of Erin or Aberfoyle, you should be up in arms about this shit. And the show notes, I'm going to make sure to include phone numbers and contact information for your local officials so that you can reach out to people if you want to bitch and complain. And you should. Um, But I also want to point this out more generally that this is just fucked up water is life this is not a commodity this isn't something that we should be selling there are just hundreds of millions of people who don't have access to clean water around the world and these companies like nestle are taking advantage of that they're they're Mm. they're using that to their advantage so that they can sell them water because they know that their lives depend on it it's not something they have a choice in buying they kind of have to buy it And so they can sell it to you for a premium. And I think as consumers, again, again, the best thing we can do is not buy bottled fucking water. If you're in a position where like your life depends on it and you feel like you're going to pass out if you don't get water, yeah, obviously you you should do that. But on a day-to-day basis, unless it's really strictly necessary, don't do it. Do not do it. Because you're feeding into this into this cycle of of people being like stolen from, and then poor people, impoverished people around the world are having to pay a premium for stolen water,
0: yeah, well said my my dad loves buying bottled water, and they're always getting those big packs of of it at the food store or target, and I've been trying to figure out why. And I ask him, and he's like, you know, he just says matter of factly, like, yeah, you need bottled water. But but I think I think people like it because it's just grab and go. You don't have to fill right. it. It's sitting in the fridge. It's ready to go. I personally I have two refillable water bottles. One of those, um, I'm forgetting the brand name, but you bite down on the straw and you can sip from it. I use them at the gym daily or when I'm going on a walk. And they're great. And I fill it up at the sink and um it's free. Now I know bottled water is pretty damn cheap at the food store, but
1: for now. It's yeah. it's cheap for now. It 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 won't be so long as we keep extracting it at these levels. And it's certainly not cheap for, you know, impoverished communities around the world who can't afford a dollar or two dollars or whatever it is for a bottle of water. It's certainly not cheap for them. And and I one, th- one of the things that I've done, if you're someone who already agrees with me and you're wondering, okay, well, I don't really drink a lot of bottled water. What else can I do? Get the people in your life to stop doing that because, Andrew, my my grandparents did the same thing. They, they used to buy a shitload of bottled water, and one of the things that I did for my, my household was I got two, like, Brita pitchers, like big industrial size Brita pitchers. I bought those things for them, and I bought them those reusable water bottles. And I was like, here, now you have no excuse. It cost me like, you know, altogether, probably a couple hundred dollars to get all of those things. Um, But I feel like it was worth it. That was my contribution to the cause to get my family away from bottled water. And that's something you can do too. Like just if you're wondering, what do I do now? I don't live in Ontario. Well, make sure everyone, you know, has a Brita pitcher and a reusable water bottle.
0: How about this? How about taxing bottled water? We tax cigarettes because they're useless. You shouldn't have them. So we're profiting off of it. Tax bottled water because it's useless and and you can get it for free elsewhere. It's sort of like charging for reusable bags or charging for plastic bags at the food store. California does it. Chicago does it.
1: I was going to say, I would, like, I would be in favor of, of increasing taxes on plastic in general. The other side of the story mm. is that that, that all of this bottled water equals plastic out the asshole. And we have got like actual, like literal islands of plastic floating throughout the ocean. And they're decimating things like, you know, the coral reefs in Australia. Um, there's this those, those floating islands of plastic have been linked to at least three different species of fish going extinct from, um, off the coast of Iceland. Um, this is fucking bad. You know, this is really bad. And it's so it's such an easy thing to stop doing like in my (laughs) just stop, stop buying (laughs) bottled fucking water. And if you live in a town where, where you have a natural spring and Nestle or whoever else is coming in to take it, make them stop. Tell like your municipal government, like, don't do this. Like, this is not that. In the grand scheme of, of global challenges, this has a pretty clear-cut answer. Just go to your municipal government and make a scene. Make sure that you, that you lobby them hard because all it takes is them saying no. They can say no. And then Nestle has to go. They can't stay if, if your government says no.
0: After you die and I go to your funeral, I'm going to throw some uh, some bottles of water into your casket. <laughs>
2: Wow, this is this
0: has been your hill to die on, and I think it'd just be so funny if you were buried <laughs> with bottles of water.
1: <laughs> I would, I'd come back and haunt the fuck out of people. <laughs> believe <laughs>
2: her,
1: she has a fucking haunted house. She'll I have, exactly yeah,
2: exactly. She knows how to do it.
0: <laughs> All right, so in today's After Dark, we have a lot of great confessionals that we're going to get to, but I had to read one of them on the main show. Guy writes, I'm a gay 20-something male that loves watching older on younger porn. Those silver foxes. Man, yum. It's 500 times easier to find this kind of porn through incest porn. Quote-unquote incest porn. You skip through the storyline because actual incest is a little gross and just focus on the sex itself. I would totally watch Family Dick for that reason. (laughs) Family Dick being the gay porn site that I plugged last week. Uh, Matt, have you visited FamilyDick.com yet? I
2: have not, but... um, Check it out while I finish this confessional. Sure, I'll do it right now.
0: Side note, confessional writer writes, I also love watching straight porn, primarily for the straight guys doing their thing. Just like watching incest porn doesn't make me want to commit incest, watching straight porn doesn't make me want to have straight sex. Embracing what turns you on in ways that aren't harmful to others is always the best way to get self-awareness, and thus a hotter sex, or at least less or at least masturbatory life. TLDR, own that porn site you stumbled upon, Andrew. We all know you got turned on by it, and that's cool. <laughs> you know why I find this so amazing? Because I did get turned on by it. I didn't want to admit it.
2: <laughs> God. <sighs> It was high.
0: I sometimes do like the the older younger porn
3: too. Yeah, well, yeah, you like I've I've definitely seen porn like that that was not like incest driven.
2: Uh, yeah, <laughs> Laura, you just out don't there. get it.
0: And you know what I think? Part of it is for me. I've always wanted to have sex with a dad, and I haven't yet. Any oh. dads out there want to have sex with me? Email into the confessional, <laughs> but leave your number or something. <laughs>
3: Andrew is turning our confessional into a missed connections thing. (laughs) It's
0: the grinder of millennial. This is my grinder. Anyway, we have more confessionals coming up. None are as as, well. Actually, we do have another couple other shocking ones that will that will read in after dark. Thank you, everybody. I don't know what happened this past week, but everybody just decided to confess.
1: It was great. It was like, Every time yeah. I saw like, a new email come through, I was like, ooh. I just need <laughs> slip <laughs> away and pull up my phone and grab some popcorn. It was great.
0: Um, I do have some breaking news that just popped up on my Twitter feed, and this is a nice end cap to the show. Variety is reporting that a House of Cards Card spinoffs are in the works at Netflix. But I'm guessing they won't involve Kevin Spacey. Aww.
2: But the House of Cards will continue to be I built will,
1: I, I will be interested to, to see if they do involve him at all, even if it's just as a producer, because he did also produce House of Cards. He didn't just star in it. So I'll be curious to see how that pans out.
0: True dat. A couple recommendations quickly. Um, fall is here, and I was browsing my local food store, and I came across Bigelow Tea's new apple cider tea. And holy fuck, is it good? It's a, it's an herbal, no caffeine tea, no sugar in it, no bullshit. It's it's just tea, but it tastes and smells like apple cider. It even it's even red. It's just so folly. I I highly recommend trying it. As somebody who um hates drinking sugar, I really love this tea because I get the pleasure of apple cider without drinking the real apple cider.
3: Very cool. Yum. I also have a recommendation uh, for a game that I played a few weeks ago. Um, It's not a new game. It's called Until Dawn. It came out a couple of years ago, but I'm a novice gamer. So I'm just sort of scratching the surface with this stuff. And I loved this game because it was so accessible for me as somebody who is just now kind of hitting the gaming scene. What I love about this game is it's all about your choices. The game has multiple different story paths and different endings, depending on the choices that you make throughout the game. So I've been able to play through it twice at this point and have completely different things happen. It's so good. Mm. And it actually uses psychology to determine the things that frighten you the most. So the game can adjust and show you something different. So throughout the game, you have these therapy sessions and this therapist like acts, asks you random questions to determine what things are most frightening to you so that the game can automatically adjust to make the scene darker or to put you in the middle of a storm or to show you certain gross-out factors that might scare you. So highly recommend. It's like $20 on the PlayStation Network. Uh, it doesn't take that long to play, to be honest with you. It's... You could easily sit down and play straight through it if you had a full day. Um, But it's just it's really enjoyable and you can play it more than once. So. Matt,
2: are you playing Super Mario Odyssey? No, I don't. I don't have the game yet. I think I'm going to get it for Christmas, so I can't buy it. Oh, I see. Well, it's so
0: good. If anybody has a switch, you have to buy it. It it lives up to the reviews and um, oh, my God, just so much to do. It's so cool. Great. On that note, that does it for today's episode. Thanks everybody for listening. We'd love your support over at patreon.com/slash millennial. We have benefits like the voicemail line, surprise bitch, which we'll get back to next week, Palace Intrigue, one of our newer benefits, streaming it live, the Landy Show, also new benefits. And of course our flagship benefit, which is after dark, and like I said, we have more confessionals in After Dark. We have something from somebody named Tunnel Dump. He's looking for advice. Uh, former friend, an excellent guy, just confessed he lied to colleagues. So um, we'll talk about that. Um, somebody's asking about a clone of penis. So that'll be interesting. Uh, Rebecca is having an affair with her best friend. I say her name because she wrote it. <laughs> no one freak out on me. <laughs> um so yeah and another one as well so wait a second hold on I need to redo that Rebecca is not the person
3: (laughs) (laughs) Andrew stop accusing people of things they didn't do
0: Uh, Rebecca has another issue which we'll address uh somebody else had an affair and that person is nameless so (laughs) oh boy sorry Rebecca thanks everybody for listening I'm Andrew
1: Uh, I'm Elisa I'm Laura.
2: And
0: I'm Matt. I'm Matt. And I'm Rebecca, who's now
1: having an affair.
0: Goodbye.